Hi, and welcome to our podcast. Last week, one of our friends asked me if I could explain Psalm 8 to her. And so I sent her an explanation on WhatsApp as an audio clip, and I thought it would be a good idea to share it with you as well. So here it is, a short meditation on Psalm 8, and I hope you enjoy it. God bless. So Psalm 8 is this uh, beautiful uh, psalm of worship, basically, to, uh, to the Lord. You know, it's, it's the first psalm um, that actually speaks about the greatness of God's name. And this, this entire psalm is actually just uh, talking about the greatness of who God is and how much he thinks about us and how he has uh, created us also. The first verse there, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So that, that first word, Lord, refers to God who is uh, above all. And so it's, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. The word Yahweh points to the God who is the creator of human beings, but he's also very personally involved in their lives. So that's the word, our Lord. And the second word, our, O Lord, our Lord. So the second word, our Lord, is the, is the Hebrew word Adonai, which basically means Lord and Master. So the psalmist here, he's not only saying, Lord, you are uh, this great God who created me, but you're also my Lord. You're also in charge of my life. You're my master. And then he says, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, right? So that word excellent means how awesome is your name, you know? I mean, it's so inspiring. It's, it's, it's weighty, you know? And, uh, and he says, how awesome is your name in all the earth? And so the, the greatness of God's name is uh, is something that uh, the psalmist begins to talk about. So in the Bible, uh, God's name has to do with who he is and what he's done. Um, that's that's what his name refers to. So that's why God's name remains unchanging. And it points to God's character, also points to the way he reveals himself to people. Like, for example, when we first met, I introduced myself as Jerry. So it was my first point of making myself known to you. And so so that's that's the way throughout the Bible, God has made himself known to people. Um, and, and he has revealed his character, his persona, and he's also revealed himself through people's experiences. So many times in the Bible, many people have given names to God based on their experience. Like, for example, in Genesis uh, 21, I think when Abraham and Isaac uh, went up to the mountain to sacrifice and uh, God provided for them a ram uh, for the sacrifice, then Abraham named that mountain Jehovah Jireh, which is uh, the Lord will provide. You know, so that was an experience that Abraham went through and he experienced God as a provider. And so he then said, this is Jehovah Jireh, that is, he is the God who provides. And so that, there are many places in the Bible where God's name has been revealed. And um, so God has either spoken about who he is or he's revealed uh, himself to people in their specific situations. And they've experienced him and they've known him more. And so that's where he says, um, so the psalmist here says, you know, your name is excellent. That is who you are is excellent, who, you know, and what you've done is excellent. You know, so he says, you have set your glory above the heavens. The word heavens here is not so much talking about uh, heaven as in the place where God is. But the word heavens in many places in the Bible refers to basically the skies, you know, from our vantage point, it's 
up there you know it's it's the heavens that's the first verse in the bible you know in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth so so that that word heavens is not so much talking about you know heaven as in when we go uh, a place that we go to when we die but it's just talking about what's up there you know i mean and so he's saying lord your glory is greater than the heavens and so we know how glorious uh, the uh, skies are right like i mean even today astronomers and and cosmologists are really uh, i mean in awe of uh, uh, what's happening out there you know with all of the different things that even the even the skies have to say and tell us you know and the knowledge that it imparts but um and and he says that god's glory is even beyond that i remember one point at one time when uh, there was this person uh who had come to our home when we were staying in Eldico supposedly a holy person you know and then he uh you know how they go from house to house and they try to intimidate and so apparently he was one of those people and so he came to our house and he said listen uh your stars are not in alignment so the next few years are going to be really bad for you but he was offering to uh pray some prayers just to avert uh, those uh, curses or or those um, you know, bad omens that were uh, coming on me and um so i said no i'm not interested and then he walked off and the next day uh, i saw that he hung his black thread that he had over, around his neck he hung it on a tree that was right in front of our house and so i i immediately took it off the tree and i i threw it in the trash but then i was i was kind of thinking in my heart and i was like lord you know should i be worried about that and instantly this thought came to my mind saying that he's talking about stars that are not in alignment but you are serving the god who created the heavens and the earth right and so that brought a lot of comfort to my heart you know knowing that the god that we serve he's not uh, submitted to or at the mercy of the alignment of the stars but he was he is even beyond that right and so the psalmist here says lord your glory is above the heavens right and that's that's an amazing thing that that god's glory so as as glorious as everything that we see creation is and as amazing as it is god's glory is so much more than that so much beyond that right and so it's beyond our own comprehension like our own definitions of beauty and um uh things that are good and lovely all of those things come from things that we've seen around us and that we've judged them as good and lovely and great but imagine the goodness and the greatness of god is so much more than what we have even witnessed you know in our own lives and it's, so it's 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 unthinkable right and the second verse says out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger this is also an interesting verse is as because as glorious as god is his greatness is so so marvelous that out of the out of the mouth of babes and sucklings so when you think about babies and babies at babies who are still nursing babies uh, what do we think about when i think about josiah how he is still a nursing baby all i can think about is how dependent he is right how vulnerable he is how um weak he is right and how uh, how much trust he places you know on his parents right and here you never think of babies and sucklings having strength to face an enemy right 
But here in a very metaphorical sense, he says that babes and sucklings, people who are weak, people who are vulnerable and people who are trusting in God, they find strength um, and God then gives them enough strength to face an enemy that is stronger than them. That is amazing what God does. And again, throughout scripture, you will see God doing that in many points. He is giving people strength to overcome. He is revealing his own strength and his own power in the impossible situations. And that's what God does, right? He takes the weak, he takes the foolish, he takes the nothings, and he makes something beautiful out of that. As in any poetry, there's a lot of metaphors, there's a lot of symbolic language, like uh, pictorial languages, you know, that's used. So it's good for us to use a little bit of interpretation, you know, as we as we look at that. So the second verse is great because he's saying that through the weak and through the vulnerable, God brings strength to them so that they can face the enemy and the avenger. The third and the fourth verse, amazing verse, it says, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. There are two things in this passage. First of all, he's talking about how small we are, right? When I consider the heavens, right? When I consider all of that, like we are we are proportionately so small and so insignificant compared to the size of the heavens, right? If, if we were to, one of the Hubble telescopes or anything were to take a picture of the earth, it would be just a blip in the solar system, right? And, and we are like a blip within that blip, right? And so when you think about how, how vast the heavens are, the psalmist here said, what are we that you would think about us, right? What are we that you would even visit us? And so it's a, it's a humbling thing when we think about that, that this God who is above all, whose glory is above the heavens, he would actually uh, think about us and he would actually consider us. It's such an amazing thing. It's such a humbling thing. And the psalmist here balances out, like before we think that we are dust and we are dirt and we are garbage, you know, he doesn't go to that extent. He says that even though that's probably uh, how uh, most powers would have treated us, that's not the way God treats us. He says in verse 8, he has made us a little lower than the angels, talking about the position that uh, God has given human beings, and he has crowned him with glory and honor, right? That's how God's dealt with us as human beings. He, even though they are less than a blip uh, in, in proportion to you know the heavens, but God has loved them and God is, God is mindful of them and God has crowned them with, uh, with glory and honor. That is with greatness. So if you, if you look at Genesis um, chapter 1 verses 26 to 28, you will see how God created human beings. He didn't create them like the way he made the rest of creation. Everything else he spoke into existence. It was by his word. But when it came to human beings, he fashioned them and he formed them and then he breathed his life into them. It's almost like God has imparted some of his own greatness and he's, he's calling human beings to share in his greatness and, and in that honor, right? Even though we know that we don't deserve to be there, uh, God has loved us and he has lifted us up. We don't reject that great gift of grace, but we humbly uh, understand and we are aware of our own unworthiness, but we are also aware of how how much God thinks about us. And so because of his love for us, you know, we take that position. Uh, this verse also talk, talks about how human beings are in relation to other uh, creations like so human beings are not like other animals um, they are they're different from them in fact they're uh, if it if it was in an order they are a little higher than the uh, other animals that's why he he says in verses six to eight 
He says, Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Uh, this is again an, an allusion to in Genesis chapter 1. After he created human beings, then he told them, go and have dominion, rule over creation. Right? That's one of the relationships that God has given to human beings is to steward, is to take care of uh, creation. Right, and, and he says that you have, so this, this verse in verse 6, he says, that he has given us dominion, even though we are so less, but God has called us to partner with him in his ruling over his creation, that he's, he has told us as human beings to have dominion over creation. It says in verse 7, he says, all the sheep, all the oxen, yeah, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, which basically the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. So all animals, basically, in relation to all animals, Human beings are called to have dominion, rule over them, and to take care of them, and to uh, nurture them, right? That's how God has called uh, human beings. That's the kind of glory and honor that God has given human beings, the psalmist says. And so it is these two things, how God thinks about us and the mandate, the great mandate that God has given us as human beings that the psalmist is thinking about here. Like, wow, it's amazing how you would do that, how you would choose us, weak vessels, to actually do that. And then he ends the, the psalm the same way he started by saying, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, right? So it's a great psalm, just meditating on the greatness of God and med meditating on who he is and what he's done and how he sees us and uh, what he has called us to be in this world. So I hope you enjoyed that. God bless you.